You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Jeff Gibson. Jeff, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. Jeff, I want to talk about your show at Theodore, uh, which ran through October 15th. Uh, it's called Indensity, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. There was a tremendous amount to look at, this enormous amount of, uh, of imagery there. But I, maybe we should start with just the title, Indensity. For some reason, though I was reading about it, what, what kept coming to me from that title was almost the word indecency. You know, I, I know that's not the <laughs> word, but, but it has a few meanings, right, in this show? Well, you know, principally for me, it just means uh, to orchestrate some kind of intensity out of a density of imagery. You know, I, I hadn't thought of other meanings, but it's interesting that you do. And, and let's talk about this imagery because, um, right, there's, there's an enormous amount of imagery here. Mm-hmm. It's referencing um, a whole variety of, of, of worlds. It's not as though it's being pulled from a particular era or not. It seems to be, you know, from all over. Um, yet it, there's, yeah. it, there's so many of these panels there that they seem to be, some of them, in different worlds. So without asking specifically if there's a narrative in each one, they seem to be speaking to different worlds, each one, right? Right. And each panel, um, you know, the show uh, comprised 20 of these panels. Um, uh, This is something I've been doing since just before the uh, pandemic, somewhat obsessively. At this point, I'm up to, I think, number 87 of these panels. Uh, so I'm really cranking them out. But um, basically, they're a, you know, a, a coalescence of high and low, old and new, digital and analog material. And each one, uh, you know, you're quite right, each one is its own little world. Each one is its own little journey. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I, I set sail. I just uh, get up, you know, usually on a Saturday morning. These are things that I usually do on the weekend because I have a, you know, full-time day job. Um, I get up on a Saturday morning and I just start kind of playing around with whatever images are circulating in my head, often as a result of, you know, what I've been doing that very week. And then I combine them uh, increasingly with, uh, you know, images drawn from a variety of um, uh, categories um, that uh, somehow manage to kind of, you know, blend with each other and uh, combine to form some kind of, I wouldn't say narrative, but I'd say that there is a kind of a poetic logic to each one of them. And those categories, the categories I most favor, I guess, um, are horror, science fiction, uh, surrealism, photorealism, classical painting, abstraction, and um, whatever I'm thinking about uh, as far as the world of contemporary art is concerned. So, you know, it's a, it's a, an agglomeration of images that I try to put together in a way that is, um, uh, you know, engaging, obviously. I mean, with maximalist work like this, you run the risk of it simply being exhausting. Um, so it has to be, you know, energizing. And I think that comes about through, um, you know, through the way that I deal with the images with respect to the kind of formal properties of, you know, color and shape. Um, but also, you know, the semiotics. The semiotics and the formal aspects of each picture have to kind of gel somehow and, uh, you know, achieve some kind of ignition 
in order to keep the viewer engaged to deal with this like enormous amount of imagery that's going on in these things. Right. Yeah. It is a. It is a. Yeah. Tremendous energy in there. So, to you said each each week when you're doing these, it's it's almost as though you're looking back on the week to, to talk about looking back on the week and and what these draw from. Um, your you work at Art Forum at a, at a magazine during the week, and and mm-hmm. some of these almost look like um, a cut up magazine. You know, has has a relationship to to layout. Uh, when you look sure. Well, it's literally week, cut and paste, you know. So it's it's right. uh, it's very closely aligned with what I do for a living. Yeah. And it, and but in a way, it's a push back at that, isn't it? What you what you do for a living, and I don't know exactly how you're how you're laying out what you're what you're doing at Art Forum, but this is um, a kind of almost reverse form of that, isn't it? I mean, yeah, stop me well, if I'm going too far, but it seems like it's no, 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 you're not. Language. No, that's a very interesting point because I see the. Uh, in many respects, as a foil to what I do for the magazine. You know, I'm in the magazine. I'm the managing editor, so I'm the kind of hub in the wheel there. And, you know, I have to coordinate everything. So there's an enormous amount of uh, collaboration and, you know, thereby, I suppose, compromise involved in, in what I do from day to day, you know, whereas um, these uh, collages... Uh, that I'm talking about. I mean, the process is decoupage on uh, wood panel, but it's effectively a collage process. The collages are something, um, you know, very, it's a very kind of solitary, meditative, inward activity for me, and therefore, you know, quite the opposite of what I do uh, from nine to five for the magazine. You know, I, I literally close the door, turn on the music, turn off my brain, and just kind of dive into these things and work intuitively until they're done, you know. So um, I don't think it's too far off the mark to say that I wouldn't say quite that I'm pushing back against what I do in my day job, um, but it certainly does uh, provide a kind of a you know a therapeutic foil um, to everything that the day the day job involves entails. And these were begun. You said this series was begun in the pandemic. I started doing them just before the pandemic, curiously. You know, I mean, a lot of people turned to collage during the pandemic because they were stuck at home and, you know, they started raiding their bookshelves and their magazines <laughs> and doing what they could, you know, because they couldn't go to their studios or whatever. But um, I actually started about, I think, late um, late 2019. So I probably started about, you know, four or five months before the pandemic uh, hit and became a thing. Um, and, you know, really uh, what motivated, one of the main motivations, you know, I mean, apart from the fact that um, uh, I've been a sort of image scavenger, you know, both analog and digital for decades now, um, one of the things that motivated uh, this whole process was that, um, you know, not only am I sitting at a desk all day long, you know, cranking out magazines, but uh, as far as my art practice was concerned, it also uh, involved mostly sitting at a desk, working digitally, producing, you know, a variety of materials and so on. And it just got to this point where I really um, wanted to step back from the computer and make something with my hands, you know, and that was one of the main motivations. Um, but equally... Um, you know, this is something that uh, I've worked on in the past, but I've kind of returned to in this moment. And um, for whatever reason, 
I find myself um, sort of coming full circle, you know. I mean, a lot of the material uh, in these collages um, kind of harks back to my kind of teenage years, you know, in a way. I mean, I was raised in the suburbs of Brisbane uh, in the state of Queensland in Australia, um, a typical kind of urban sprawl. TV was my culture. The mall was my museum. And, you know, popular art forms, um, you know, pop surrealism and, uh, you know, comics and all that kind of thing um, were sort of where I got my start, I suppose, you know. And I think I sort of grew up into art from a seedbed of forms that had dripped down from high culture, you know, namely, um, as I just mentioned, uh, you know, TV and cinema and so on. But also things like surrealism and, and of course, Warhol. Uh, drip down into a kind of a you know popular consciousness and so on. So for some reason, um, perhaps it's my age, um, perhaps it's uh, the state of the world. I'm not sure, but I'm wanting to kind of go back and incorporate all of that material that uh, whereby I you know um, cut my teeth on art, where I first kind of became involved and interested in, in making images and so on. And somehow or other combine it with, you know, everything I've done ever since. And um, therefore, um, I find myself sort of, I hesitate to say this, it's kind of a crazy thing to say, but I feel like I'm building a bridge from Juxtapose to Art Forum. Because the kind of material that Juxtapose is, you know, typically known for is the kind of material that got me interested in art in the first place. And then you know, ultimately, I don't know, it delivered me somehow to art forum. And these two worlds, you know, um, are increasingly, I think, um, I wouldn't say moving together, but there's a, a bigger overlap um, at present than there ever was. You know, I mean, you look at artists like Emily May Smith and, you know, Julie Curtis and so on, they kind of swing both ways and they appear in both venues. So, um, you know, I find myself wanting to um, sort of sort and organize um, and, uh, you know, create poetry out of um, this enormous uh, volume of material, um, you know, that I've been sort of consuming over a number of years. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And it, it makes me think that, you know, the time of the pandemic, which I guess, you know, we're just beginning to kind of reflect on and digest. The bulk of these were made during the pandemic, a time of, That's right. uh, I mean, for some, what, what you're saying, right, a kind of uh, a time of research. I mean, I've heard different things. I, I interviewed artists throughout the pandemic, of course, and some were, were you know, using their studio like they never have before. Others mm. had difficulty working or had a, a switch in work. And it sounds like, you know this this body of work got its got a big push from the pandemic from the the type of thinking that the pandemic might have encouraged, which is um, I suppose well, for some again I don't want to generalize, but for some it's sort of some kind of reflection. Mm-hmm. I well definitely you know, it was definitely conducive to uh, reflection, and you know these works uh, um, you know are just that they're a reflection on my entire kind of, you know, life of images, I suppose. Um, but yes, I think it's fair to say that the pandemic uh, 
um, provided me with the you know circumstances by which I could kind of go deep on this stuff. But I think I would have gone deep on it anyway. You know, I think simply because uh, it was you know for months and months and months one didn't leave the house, I was very grateful to have <laughs> something to amuse myself. You know, I'm glad that I got this this ball rolling before the pandemic hit. You know. Because by the time it did hit and by the time we all, you know, were sequestered away in our little lives, um, the, I already had the, the, the ball was already rolling, you know. I already, already had decided on a format and, and you know, had um, assembled a, a ton of material and I had everything I needed to kind of, you know, just get going and keep going for, as it turned out, years and years, you know, a couple of years. Um, but I would have done this anyway, I'm quite sure, you know. But uh, perhaps I wouldn't have been as prolific as I have been. I mean, I've really been knocking these things out at a furious rate for a long time now. And I think, you know, perhaps the the uh, introspective realm that I found myself in as a result of the pandemic had something to do with that. But I think these things have really, you know, I mean, as an artist, you're compelled to do this stuff. You know, I would have done it anyway, I'm sure. Maybe just not as many. And, you know, maybe also. Um, a lot of these are pretty dark and gothic and so on. And I think they're, you know, poetic reveries on our time. So perhaps, uh, you know, um, not just the pandemic, but the state of the world, you know, politically and so on, um, has found its way into these little poetic assemblages that I'm making. So, you know, cultural circumstance, social circumstance has a role to play, but I would have been doing this anyway, I'm sure. Right, right. I I mean, for me, looking at these, you know, um, I mean, as you're saying, it's it's sort of an endless field to, to mine as an artist, as a viewer also. There's there's so much in here to um, to kind of, you know, digest and, and, and relate to in, in a number of ways. And, and although... I can get involved in a variety of ways. Part of the structure of them, if I'm not mistaken, is there's there's often squares that are that are being overlapped here, but then there's there's circles that kind of come out that to me float almost to the surface, the way they would in in some kind of graphic novels, which almost seems like mm-hmm. a device to uh, to talk about the characters that are happening um, within this is. Is that something that you're conscious of or that just comes forward? It just strikes me as this kind of, I don't know what it's called, if it is a graphic novel device or not, but when a circle comes forward and it's maybe a detail of what the character is seeing or it's uh, you know, like the equivalent of a rubric kind of like showing off a particular detail, almost a magnification, which, which they aren't, but it's some, kind of, mm-hmm. it's some kind of device, isn't it? Well, you know, it's a little like an advent calendar, you know. It, it's a way to kind of layer material. They're, they're like peepholes, you know. But um, they're, they're just devices. I don't really feel that I've borrowed from any particular, you know, formal medium here. Um, and my goal was to just make um, very intense, um, uh, you know, as I am, what's the word, agglomerations, collections, um, uh, to put together all of this material in a way that it all sort of meshed with each other, you know. Um, and I guess the kind of formal devices that I'm using um, are, you know, 
superimposition, juxtaposition, and what I call keyhole layering, which is that you cut a hole in the image and then place it on top of another image, and that image comes through. And, you know, these are all ways of making images kind of butt up against each other, you know, which is the, the, the germ of poetry. You're looking at the spark of meaning between two things, you know. And in the case of these, I'm trying to kind of... Um, you know, orchestrate a plane where uh, many, many, many things are sparking off each other um, all across the plane in such a way that, um, you know, they engage your imagination, they engage you, uh, you know, aesthetically. Um, I'd like to think that they're kind of, despite in many instances the rather, you know, dark and gothic material, they're also kind of joyful things, you know. Um, I, I, I pay a lot of attention to uh, as I say, the formal properties, also the semiotic properties. You know, I want them to, um, I want them to be attractive and compelling, so that you do actually happily spend time exploring the various layers and intersections of images and so on that are going on. It's interesting that you say that the circles appear to you as you know, things popping out. To me, um, most of the time, although not always, 90% of the time, the circles are holes that I've cut in images so I'm looking through to things you know and you can see where the image underneath overlaps with other images and so on and so they all just kind of meld together um, occasionally um, it appears to me that the images are coming forward but usually with the holes you know because you can see other aspects of the image poking outside or whatever um, they read to me as you know as layering things um, you know, other images behind. You're looking through images to other images and so on. And in that respect, it, it becomes kind of, you know, an allegory for the way we perceive the world, you know, as a complicated layering of, um, of, uh, of images, you know, both virtual and analog, or not so much images, realities, you know. It's, it's in a, many respects, um, as I think a lot of artwork is, a model of the world, you know, created through the artist. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I, I, I agree. And, you know, this, this work that has this kind of, um, the kind of complexity that, that you're talking about is also, it could be, or it, or it is to me, um, has personal associations to the viewer. So I would think for you also, there, there is, um, besides the formal aspect, there's, there's personal associations here that, that we're not entirely privy to, but, but are um, perhaps, or maybe I'm stretching, but almost mini narratives that, that are only understood by yourself? Sure. Um, you know, again, I come back to the same point that uh, to me, they're poetic, you know. And mm. um, the thing about poetry is it is open to interpretation, you know. Um, unlike prose, it leaves space for you to enter and, you know, um, bypassing uh, a number of images that exist in proximity to each other or whatever, you know, you form your own kind of uh, relationship with the work, you know, with the poem or in this case with the picture. Um, so uh, you say that, you know, you have, um, that these images uh, call out to you in some way, you have a relationship with them, um, I think a lot of that stems from the fact that uh, a fair amount of the material in these uh, would be known to you. You know, the sources would be known to you. I try to avoid, like, really 
um, you know, obvious, um, you know, like I wouldn't put a, like a Coca-Cola can or Elvis Presley or something like that, although Elvis does appear in a couple of them. But if those things, you know, like all of the Mona Lisa, for instance, you know, these things are just kind of, um, they kill the poetry. They, they're just so, they're, they anchor it, you know, and you can't get away from it. Everything comes back to it. So if I am using images of things that are readily recognizable, I'll only use like a tiny little detail so that, you know, it sparks something in you. There, there's a spark of recognition there, but um, it's not so great that it just kind of controls, you know, the narrative that's implicit in the poetry of the work. So um, you're probably just responding to the fact that, you know, the vast majority of this material is drawn from popular culture, you know, of which you've had experience. And if you haven't seen that very image, then you've seen something in its genre and so on. But there's a lot of high cultural references in here too um, that, uh, you know, uh, many people may not immediately get, but I think that they certainly have enough uh, popular material in there to kind of latch on to and, and to hold their interest. Um, I like to think that these things are, you know, in... Um, in reconciling or uh, combining those two worlds that I talked of before, the kind of, you know, um, for want of a much better word, the sort of, you know, lowbrow or pop surrealist or kind of popular art right through to, you know, highly, um, I suppose, esoteric, high cultural art and so on. Regardless of all of that, or perhaps because of all of that, because perhaps because all of that is combined, I like to think that that these things um, would be accessible and palatable and of interest and, you know, compelling to just about anybody, you know. I would love for this work to be able to kind of cross over in that way. You know, that's that's part of my objective, I think. But again, it stems from my desire to kind of reconcile my 20-year-old self with my 60-year-old self, you know, where I started and, and what initially, uh, you know, took my fancy uh, visually in terms of um, visual culture, um, and uh, somehow or other kind of, you know, combining it with everything that I've encountered along the way. So sky's the limit, you know. <laughs> Initially when I was doing these, when I first started making them, I just drew willy-nilly from absolutely everywhere. And the further I've gone down this road, the more I've kind of narrowed my sights, and now I've kind of like settled into, you know, as I say, um, a, uh, a kind of set of different image types, you know, maybe 10 different genres um, that I'm combining. And those genres are the ones that, A, I feel most strongly about, and B, um, kind of speak to each other in some way or another, you know. Uh, they're all based on one way or another mediated imagery. You know, they're all, uh, there's very little kind of straight photography in any of this stuff. It's mostly, you know, painted or um, I do some sort of rough and ready photo montage as well and print that out and cut it up and throw that into the mix. Um, so it's all of this stuff that's already been mediated and it's like the mediation is actually the kind of Biden medium that keeps, uh, you know, all the images in suspension and all the images uh, communicating with each other. I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's beautiful work. Uh, Jeff, I really enjoyed the show, and I know it's will continue to to travel. I I I just want to thank you for talking with me today, and I and I want to ask you 
one more question that's a little off topic, but what are you reading at the moment? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for all those kind words about the work. You know, it's, it's, uh, that means a lot. Uh, what I'm reading at the moment is um, Faith, Hope, and Carnage, which is a conversation between Nick Cave, uh, the singer, the songwriter, not the uh, artist, uh, uh, a conversation between Nick Cave and an old collaborator of his, uh, Sean Hagen. Or Hagen. Um, uh, and it's basically... You know, I guess it's not unrelated to something that I've been talking about here. You know, it's Nick Cave, who happens to be the same age as me, um, reflecting on uh, his life's trajectory and, uh, you know, uh, trying to make sense of all the craziness um, of his younger years and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, it, it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a philosophical conversation. And, um, you know, Nick Cave is somebody that... Uh, um, has brought me an enormous amount of uh, consolation. His music has brought an enormous amount of consolation over the years. So um, it feels like a good thing to be reading at this point in time. Thank you so much, Jeff, for talking with me today. I, I wish you well with this current series and, and more. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Brainerd. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.